Hey moms, welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to six, and a 24-year veteran homeschooling mom. Today we're going to be talking about homeschooling multiple ages. I've gotten a lot of emails from moms um, about this, and I'm excited today to finally being able being able to uh, be able to tackle that topic. Before I jump in and introduce our guest, I want to remind you to leave a review from wherever you are listening. Also, I have a free gift for anyone who subscribes to my website, and I promise I do not fill your inbox with a bunch of emails, but I think you'll love the little book of encouragement for homeschool moms that you'll receive when you do sign up. Just go to my website and wait for the pop-up, and you can sign up right there. Also, I'm going to be in several places during the convention season. I'm going to be in Illinois, Indiana, South Dakota, Michigan, Florida, Virginia, and Arizona, and North Carolina. So I'll leave a link in the podcast notes uh, in hopes that you and I can actually connect in real life. Now, lastly, if you've not checked out my books on Amazon, I encourage you to do just that. I have two books there, The Unhurried Homeschooler, which is a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that was written specifically for homeschooling moms. Next week, I will be talking about nurturing sibling relationships at the Homegrown Generation Online Conference. So just going to tell you really quickly about this. This is amazing. It's a tw- it's $20. You get unlimited access to all the workshop videos brought to you on an interactive platform with a huge variety of topics and speakers, including Kirk Cameron, Heidi St. John, Pam Barnhill, Todd Wilson, and so many more. So I'm going to leave a link in the podcast notes. We also have a fantastic giveaway today. So listen all the way to the end and we'll tell you how to enter. Now, as many of you know, I have an online mentoring course um, that has ongoing open enrollment. And along with it, there's a private Facebook community of moms who've gone through the workshops and continue to support each other along with having access to me for questions about taking a more unhurried approach in homeschooling their kids. Recently, there was this long and very enthusiastic thread on a curriculum called Gather Round Homeschool. So I decided to check it out, and I am so glad I did. One of the things that I love to do is to bring tools and resources to moms who have a heart for a less frantic and overwhelming homeschool journey, and this curriculum does not disappoint. Today, I'm excited to have the mom who created this with me to share her heart and explain this resource in more detail. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Rebecca Spooner is a homeschool mom to five littles and who was homeschooled herself. She is married to a federal police officer up in northern Canada, a worship leader, speaker, owner of Homeschool On, author of More Than Words Bible Curriculum and Gather Round Homeschool Curriculum. She's passionate about sharing the imperfect, the messy, the real and the raw and authentic struggles of homeschooling and how we can experience the life abundantly that God has for us, even in the midst of chaos. Rebecca, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. Well, let's, uh, if you could, there was a little bit of your background story there. Can you give um, maybe just a little brief, um, you know, just tell us a little briefly about maybe some more details to that background. You were homeschooled. Yeah. So I was homeschooled. I am the second oldest of six children and our, our family is a little bit spaced out. So my mom had four close together and then a break and then, um, my little brother and then a longer break and then my little sister. So, um, so yeah, we were homeschooled pretty much all the way through until high school. I went for second semester of grade 10 and I actually graduated from public high school. Um, I had just turned 16 and of course I was able to do that early because of homeschooling and because I could go at my own pace. And I was just one of those really eager to learn kids. And so I loved school and uh, I loved being homeschooled. So super close with my family. Um, and I always knew that this is what I wanted to do. When I grew up, I was going to homeschool my kids. (laughs) I love that. Our daughters are doing the same thing. And I think what I told myself back in the day was, you know, if 
um, if my kids go on to want to homeschool, to me, that's a huge sign that um, it was a good experience for them. And I think that's yes. what we're all hoping for, for our kids. But um, obviously, I mean, I had the question of what made you just dis- to decide to homeschool your own kids. Were there other reasons other than the fact that it was such a good experience for you? Oh, so many reasons. So many reasons. I mean, yes, I definitely um, had that in my head because it was such a positive experience, not just growing up, but also looking back on it. And and I think the fruit that it's had in my life mm. has been something that I just, I wanted that for my kids and for my family because I saw the relationship that I have with my adult siblings and with my parents now that I don't see in Mm -hmm. most other people that I know. And I think that that was a unique and really special um, fruit of being homeschooled. And so I wanted it for all those reasons. My husband was, um, it's RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police Officer up here in Canada. And um, as he kind of, he, he, he had a public school experience. And so he was very keen to put our kids in school and didn't really understand, you know, why I wanted to homeschool until he started working in the schools and seeing, you know, what is going on and how different and how much it's changed even from his own experience. So, you know, even when we were just having kids and babies, we were talking and discussing. And by the time our kids were ready, he was so on board with me homeschooling. And I feel like, that that reason why has developed so much over the years. You know, it kind of started out as that. And it's over the years I've realized, like I've realized I have been called to this. And mm. I think when I started, that wasn't even necessarily I, I wanted to do it. But now the more that I do this, the more I realize I am called to this. And the more I see what's happening in our education system at here, it's very, very progressive, what they're teaching kids in school. And it's just, it's developed even. My why behind it has developed so much um, based on, on now my experience and seeing what's evolving in our culture around us. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Our kids are saying the same thing. And I think there's something about having that adult perspective and looking back and realizing our kids are kind of giving us the same feedback. Like they just thought, you know, every family was close like we are. And and now they're realizing it's it's a rarity. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason it, it is even that way is because of the time that we spent together and the relationships that were nurtured and bonded over all of those years. And um, it's just such a joy to hear them come back and um, be so grateful and thankful for us having homeschooled them. But you're right. There's so much going on. And here in the States, we're not, we're not, you know, a lot far, we're not much behind Canada. It seems like we're accelerating um, that same direction as far as just things that are being taught in school. And I think it's frightening parents and it should. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is why it's so important for um, people like us who've been doing this and have been around this for so long can share um, what God's shown us. And I love the fact that uh, what you said about calling, because I just feel like it's so important to recognize it as that really above anything. Like we want to do this, but when it's a calling, all of a sudden there's a dynamic there where it's like, okay, God um, equips, he equips those that he calls. And so yeah. if that's the case, then he's going to help me walk this journey out. And I'm hoping today moms will feel encouraged by what you have to share and realize that they can, they can do this. So, um, so tell us, um, kind of where you are now with your, with your own kids. Um, how, what ages are they? I don't think we said. Yeah. So my youngest is six. So she is technically in grade one. Um, and then I have an, a seven-year-old, a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 12-year-old. So okay. um, so all the way up to middle school right now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so, I mean, basically, sorry, go ahead. No, basically what? Go ahead. I want to hear this. <laughs> So where we are today is, um, you know, of course you start off with, especially because I was homeschooled myself, I had all the answers. I felt very, very confident both in my, my journey as a parent, because I, I saw my siblings being raised because they were born, um, when I was, you know, 11 years old and 16 years old. And, but also as homeschooling, I felt like I had 
these experiences behind me that just, I knew I, I had tried so many different types of curriculum. I was very confident going in as to what I wanted and how I was going to get there. And so I think in some ways that was almost a, a negative because when I started homeschooling, I realized how much I did not know and how different my kids were from myself. I only had myself as right. the experience behind me. And now I'm trying to figure out with multiple different kids. And I was having kids so close together and I've got babies in diapers and I've got, you know, kids I'm potty training and I've got toddlers running around and I'm trying to do school. And my expectations so varied from my reality that it was just this horrible, horrible wake up call. And I felt so disappointed in myself. So that's where I started. And with all those expectations and all of that drive and vision and and hope. And then I think I kind of went on this downward spiral of realizing, well, that's just not attainable. That's just not realistic. And I was very naive. And, you know, I, I started almost laughing about it and saying, oh, back then, you know, I was naive and we all do that. We all start that way. And, but realizing in this, these past couple of years that, that I, as much as yes, I had high expectations of myself, part of my expectations was not necessarily what we were going to accomplish. It was, it was the atmosphere in my home. Mm -hmm. It was the joy I wanted us to experience. It was that connection. It was that my kids were going to love this and I was going to love this. And I think that was the most disappointing thing for me was that I don't think my kids were loving it and I was not loving it. And I felt like there's the grandest failure of them all is that we're doing this and it is, it's like hitting my head against a wall. And so that's kind of been our progression is where I am today is so vastly different from where I started of finding that, that, that joy in our homeschool and the joy in learning and in just along for the ride, rather than trying to drive this bus exactly where I want it to go and realizing that, you know, the Holy Spirit can just direct me and lead me and guide me and direct me. And it's just, yeah, it's so different. It's so different from where I started. I love that. It's so true. I tell moms all the time, Hey, listen, if you're not enjoying your kids and your kids aren't enjoying this journey, for the most part, there's always going to be this element of persevering, just, as, you know, but that should not be what most of it is. I feel like it should be joyful. And so if you're not enjoying your kids and your kids aren't enjoying homeschooling, it's time to take a step back. And hit the pause button. And like you said, just ask the Lord, what is going on here? And what do we need to do? Because yes, the atmosphere in the home is so important. That is what determines, I feel like, what, how much, how teachable our kids are going to be. How much they're actually going to learn has so much to do with whether they're feeling um, valued and they're feeling loved and they're feeling joy and they're feeling, uh, having a good experience. And, uh, so that you, yeah, that's just so great. So you came to this point where you recognize this was happening. And so then what happened after that? Well, this was kind of, I feel like the, the birth of, of what I am doing now and creating now for homeschoolers, it started with this. It started with this discontent of, of, of course, I was a blogger and so I was reviewing lots of different curriculum. I was hopping around from thing to thing, always trying something new. And with five kids all in school, last year was a big turning point for me because I realized that I'm, I am trying to do five plus subjects with five different kids at five different levels. And, you know, I just bounced from one to the next to the next. And I was not experiencing joy or fullness or this life abundantly that Jesus talks about coming to give. Mm -hmm. And I just felt so incredibly frustrated and was even at the point again, and I have definitely been at this point multiple times where I was starting to wonder how I can continue doing what I feel called to do in, in what I do to encourage and, um, and just, just lift up and speak into the lives of homeschoolers and yet still homeschool when there was so much that seemed to be required to fit in a day that I could feel good about. And so mm -hmm. I remember, I, I remember the day that God just, he just asked me this question, just popped into my head. And it was like, it was like six months of this is as I was making a, I did an offhanded joke in my podcast where I was just saying, you know, how naive I was in the beginning when I expected my children to gather around me like little nestlings. And I was laughing at it. And I, I thought it was hilarious that I used to think that. And I, I felt this check in my spirit of why? 
Why do you think that that is such a ridiculous notion now looking back on it, that that is so unattainable, that that is impossible because that is such a lie from the enemy because that is exactly what I want for you. I want your kids Mm -hmm. gathered around you. I want you to have this experience where they're loving it and engaged and you're loving it and engaged and you've given up on that and that's not what I want. So Mm -hmm. I began to feel him asking me to pull back from all the curriculum. I actually stopped using most. I went into much more of an unschooling role to just take time to pray and seek what exactly are you saying that you want from me and how on earth can I achieve that with all my kids' different needs and stages and ages. And so that was kind of the, the, the discontent that I began to feel in my spirit and in my heart for homeschooling um, that really kind of prompted what I'm doing now. Right. Well, and what I'm hearing there is a couple of things that I'm, I repeatedly say to moms, you know, if this is going on and you're having this negative experience, yes, pull back, hit the pause button. You can't worry that your kids are going to get so far behind. You never take the time to sit down, to sit back and, and to talk with the Lord and ask him for wisdom. He says in James 1 that if you lack wisdom, you must ask of God and, and that he gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But we have to believe and not doubt that God's going to keep that promise. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said um, about that life abundantly. I, I ran across a scripture um, a week or so ago and it was as Jesus was leaving the earth, I, he said some things and I'm thinking these are these are words you want to pay attention to because these are his parting words before he goes back to heaven, right? He said this, I'm, I'm leaving you a gift. I'm leaving you a gift of peace of mind and heart. And I thought, wow. I mean, that isn't just for our spiritual lives. That's for our whole life, including our homeschooling. And so to what I'm hearing you say is that's what you were in pursuit of and God had put in your heart that thought of all these little, you know, chicks coming around the mother hen and you recognize that that was the heart that God gave you for your kids. And I think that's so important for moms to sit back and say, okay, if nobody else were telling me how to homeschool, Mm. what would I want to do with my kids and start there and, and work from that point that, you know, that place, that vision that really God has put in your heart for your family and for your kids. And so I just love that you took the time to do that and didn't, um, doesn't sound like you rushed it. You were waiting on him and waiting for his, his clear direction. So that's how you ended up starting to create this gather round homeschooling. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 So it just, it, it really, I mean, I think a lot of people think because of the scope of what it is and and how involved and, and massive of a project it is that I've been pondering this for years and planning it, but I really did not. And mm-hmm. I I just was at that point, and I love how God took me there personally first before he took me there in my business. I was at that mm-hmm. place and I was processing and wrestling with what God's heart for, I believed, um, education could be and what he wanted, at least from my homeschool. And then once I started to begin to see that, that he wanted um, more relationships with me and my kids and to be more involved and to have it be something that was joy and peace and that life abundantly, then he began to put it on my heart for this idea. And it honestly, it came in the most unexpected ways. I traveled a lot last year. I was speaking. And so there's something about being on an airplane and just having time with no kids to just, just Mm -hmm. listen and journal and, and, um, and pray. And I really, felt like he began to give this picture to me and and this question, what if you could teach all your kids together? And this idea of all of my children, and I've done this kind of before with unit studies, but it's, it's usually geared for a certain age range with some adaptations for older or younger students. And I had this idea of, of doing this one thing together, reading aloud to all my kids and then having them work at a targeted age level and kind of giving them that spark and that interest and then letting them run with it where Mm. it was kind of the best of both, where it was together, but then it was also facilitating them and inspiring them and motivating them to want to take their education and make it their own. Because if there's anything I have learned in this journey, it is that you cannot force your child to learn. You can't. If they choose, they 
aren't interested, they're not going to retain it. And mm-hmm. so this this picture of this blend of of you know Charlotte Mason and together and reading, but then also some independence because we're sparking their interest and we're kind of propelling them, and also seeing that unit study kind of connection of how this one thing connects to our culture and social studies and history and science and everything has meaning and it's not just these separate independent subjects and grade levels and topics. And so it was this mountain of an idea that I almost laughed at. I thought that's that's just impossible. How do you actually practically do something like that? Like that is like that's crazy. But he began to give me ideas for units and ideas for how it could look and this this idea of even doing one every single month. And it just, it was born out of prayer. It was born out of prayer. It was born out of a discontent that he laid on my heart leading up to it. And from the moment that he gave that to me to the moment when we opened up a website and I started doing pre-orders was one month. Whoa. One month. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. something only God can do. Holy cow. It is. That's yeah. amazing. Wow. I, I had a chance to um, look over some of the, one of your units and I was so impressed with the, um, like you said, it's not just, okay, this is kind of for this age range and then we'll throw a little bit in for more for the older kids. It's, it was very laid out so well and so clearly. Um, and there was just, there were little notes that said, Hey, this, this, this part right here, you can read together, you know, so there's all these little prompts and helps. And I mean, it just takes all the guesswork out of it. And yet it also, like you said, leaves room for them to be self-directed. And this is one thing that, um, I think, homeschoolers need to understand um, micromanaging your kids' education is a huge mistake because like you said, forced learning is not real learning. And what happens, what I think is a beautiful combination is just what's described here. There's some directed learning and then there's self-led learning. And you're doing this sort of like nice combination of those two things. And on maybe on one day, it's going to be a little more heavy on the um, the directed learning and, and the other days more heavy on the self, uh, self-directed learning. So, but it's just such a beautiful way to, like you said, inspire and get our kids excited about learning. And it's, it's, it's just beautiful. So, and the, the pictures were beautiful. The layout was amazing. So I, I'm, I am so thrilled that moms are uh, able to have access to this, um, to this curriculum, but wow, what a miraculous story. I love that. Um, so I think I sort of answered the question about why, what, what you've created, why you think it will work well for multiple ages. Did you have anything more to add to that? Yeah. So I guess like just explaining the, the kind of how it works probably Mm -hmm. will answer that the best. So, so basically what it is, is there is a teacher's guide and there are six student notebooks. So we have one for like a pre-reader age range. We have one for an eight to 10 year old, a 10 to 12 year old, a 12 to 14 year old and a 15 to eight year old. So there's six different notebooks to choose from. So the idea is, is that you are going to have this targeted age approached um, way to learning in each of their notebooks and you get to decide what level that is going to be. So you're going to read from your teacher's guide, which is about a topic. So that's where we get kind of the unit study flavor in there because you get to choose based on your child's interests and what they're passionate about. So if you have a child who loves space, you're going to pull open the space unit and you're going to read to them about space. Then you're going to give each student their student notebook and uh, like we love this idea of of we have a schoolroom and, and our kids do have desks, but we often don't do school there. And it's this idea of all your kids can be gathered around the table and all working in their individual notebooks, and they're going to cover every subject except for math. So they might have a grammar page or scripture copy work, which is also how we teach spelling is through scripture copy work. Um, mm-hmm. Or they're going to be working on a writing project through the month, or they're going to be doing a social studies page that's going to tie into that, or they're going to be doing geography and learning about where the International Space Station is, or the, you know, so they we tie in all sorts of different things based on this one topic. Now, inside those tie-ins, each kid is working on similar things, but again, at different levels. So with your younger students, of course, you're going to be doing a little bit more Um, direction and you're going to be doing a little bit more teaching, but your older kids might be writing an essay about the social implications, right? And so, so you get to see how this one thing is then broken up into different levels. And then what you get 
is around the table, all your kids. And I think this is sometimes something I never would have thought of as being something we maybe miss out on a little bit as homeschoolers, but this collaborative learning. And we do because mm-hmm. all of our school subjects are so divided, every child's working on so many different things in their individual books with their individual subjects. And we miss sometimes this idea of all coming together and collaborating with one theme or topic in mind and seeing what everyone can add to the table. So when we talk about mm-hmm. immigration or when we talk about the African slave trade, and we go back to that, well, your high schooler is obviously going to be going much more in depth. Maybe they're writing an essay about what that that meant or what that looked like. But your younger kids are learning at this lighter level and everyone gets to say, hey, I learned this. Well, I learned this. And they get to kind of collaborate around the table based on the levels of what they're working on. So it means no more bouncing around from child to child to child. It means that that you can you know, do this reading and now just kind of facilitate and help your kids. And they begin to take a little bit more ownership of their education while still seeing those connections and learning together as a family. I love that. I I love that because it's what it does is I think when kids are um, are able to bring something to the table, so to speak, they feel very valued, and I think that also grows their confidence as a learner, but also just as a human being, and that they're part of something bigger than themselves. And I think that's something we we want our kids to know and understand. And um, and, and also in that process, you know, just even having the conversation, they're learning to communicate ideas and thoughts and opinions about things. And all of those are, um, I mean, those are, those are life skills. So I love mm-hmm. that um, around the table thing. So um, is there anything more you wanted to, to share about the, about the curriculum? Um, I think the only other thing I would say is, is, uh, I wish I was the mom. And this was part of when I looked at this. I, I, I've done, like I said, unit studies before, and I wish I was the mom that was super hands-on and did these huge projects with my kids. I actually mm-hmm. honestly believe that kids learn amazing like there's so much more retention when you can I, do those big projects and they really own that, you know, they get to dive deep into it. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah. But I, I work and I, I do this whole thing. I'm creating a unit every month and usually three actually. And I'm a worship leader and we have friendships and we have ministry and I've got my marriage and I've got so many other components to my life that I usually feel very overwhelmed by very hands-on stuff. And so when I was looking at this, one of the things that I wanted was this this idea of rabbit trail learning where I'm going to give you the framework. And we often in their pages have rabbit trail pages where it will be, you could just read this and discuss as a family or the kids could read and they can do some oral narration of what they learned. Or you can go down this rabbit trail and you can research this or go look up. You're learning about, you know, this monkey that's native to this area in Indonesia. Well, you can go and look up that. What do they sound like? What do they look like? So if you have the time and you want to, you could spend all day going on rabbit trails, following your kids' interests and, you know, doing different projects or activities. There's science experiments that will be built into oceans or um, our space unit or you can just read and do the work and you can be done it in two hours, add on your math. You're finished your school in the morning and now you feel like you've accomplished everything because that wasn't, you're not missing socials or science or, and now you have the afternoon to explore the world around you, to do more of those hands-on fun things, whatever you want, or for someone like me, work. (laughs) So it's very adaptable. I love that because, you know, for the mom who does enjoy the hands-on, she's got the option of pursuing those, those, those rabbit trails with her kids or like you said, if you've got to move on to other things, um, which is, you know, that was right where I was at as a mom of eight kids. You know, I think we had our eight when I was, the oldest was 13. So uh, there was a lot going on and um, just keeping sort of the house from, you know, falling apart. Um, that required <laughs> me to do other things besides just homeschool. So yes, our our personal goal, anybody who's read my book knows that we tried to be done right around noon. And sometimes it was a little longer for the high schoolers, but um, for the most part, most of the years uh, we were done by lunchtime. And and it was so great because we, we had life. We could live lifelong side of each other. They could pursue their interests. And so it's really just a beautiful, beautiful combination. Now I have a question just in general, what would you say to the mom who's feeling like a failure right now? Just what words of encouragement could you give her? Cause you've been there. I've been there. What, what mm-hmm. would you say to that mom right now? 
I think the biggest thing is recognizing that you can feel discontent that I believe is, is from the Holy Spirit. I've seen it in my own life. You yes. can feel a discontent that is actually provoking you into the next season that God has from you. So sometimes it's recognizing, is this a discontent where I'm not happy with where we're at and I need to be praying about maybe God is, is prompting me into something different. But a lot of times, I think that feeling of failure where you go to bed crying because mm-hmm. you feel like you just aren't cut out like for this, that your kids would be better off in school, that you are actually failing your kids. I think that is such a lie from the enemy. I really believe that. I believe it's a lie. God does not do that. He does not condemn us like that. And so I think that it's, it's, we're supposed to take our thoughts captive. And so I think that it's a practice of saying, I, I am only called to do my best. One of my favorite, and I I've said it before, but one of my favorite experiences that I ever had that God has just spoke to me so strongly in is years and years ago, I, I was trying to homeschool. I think maybe it was my second year and I felt like a failure a lot. And I have my middle son and he's just kind of my off the wall child, super high energy. He just was not interested in school, still is not interested in school. And he, he was my kid that even spiritually, you know, you go to church, he was like five at the time, but all my other kids were kind of learning the words and they seemed more engaged in lessons and teaching and Bible studies and devotionals. And he was just always kind of playing with Lego or something in the background. And you start to question, you start to wonder. And this one day I heard him I heard him singing at the top of his lungs, this worship song. He knew all the words and he had his earphones on and it was just blaring and he's just singing away in his little pajamas. I recorded it and I walked in there and of course my mama heart is, you know, that feeling of just, oh, it's bursting. But, but as I watched, I felt God just say, you know, this wasn't you, this wasn't you. You didn't create this. You didn't facilitate this. You didn't draw him into this. You didn't do this. I did. Mm -hmm. You think that you are carrying the weight of everything, of your child's education, of their heart, of their spiritual life, of their character. You are only called to do your best. And I am here to fill in the gaps. I care infinitely more about your kids than you could ever care. I put them in your care. I trust you to do your best, but that's it. That's all right. you're called to do. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. And I, I'm i okay with that, you know, because it doesn't all rest on you. And so I think that's my biggest thing that I have for moms is that recheck your priorities, test, question, ask yourself if this is a discontent, if there's things that you are supposed to change that God might be using um, this discontent to pull you into. Remind yourself that this is a calling, that you are not here by accident, and really, really spend time praying about it. But remind yourself that you are only called to do your best and trust and give it to God and say, listen, God, I failed today. I messed up. I made mistakes. I did even get to school done. My house is a mess. I feel just like I can't do all this. Pass it to him and ask Mm -hmm. him to fill in those gaps because he is so faithful. He is is. so faithful. Amen. I I would totally say amen to that because I've, I've had this experience myself where it's just, it, I remember going to the Lord and saying, Lord, I, this plan you've given me is what's in my heart to do with my kids. But it just doesn't always feel like enough, you know, that I would just come to that point again that that we do so often and just think, is this adequate? Because it's simple. It's, you know, we're all doing well with it, but, you know, there's that thought about maybe we should be doing more because things are going well. You know, you find that rhythm and Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you mess it up because you start, you know, just thinking, comparing or whatever you're doing. And I would ask him and he would, every single time he would say, you know, this is really like the story of the loaves and the fishes in the Bible. He, he would just remind me that that boy brought what he had. He brought what he had mm-hmm. and, and Jesus took it and he made it more than enough. There were leftovers when it was all said and done. And he's basically telling me, I can do the same thing. So just bring me what you have. And from day to day, that's even going to look a little bit different. You know, one day, maybe we have more energy. Another day, for whatever reason, maybe we're, we're pooped. You know, we, we're up with the baby at night or whatever. We only have, you know, this amount of energy. And so we pray, we ask the Lord to make it enough and we do our best to steward it as best we can. Um, but yes, we leave it in the Lord's hands because the bottom line is, like you said, this is his work and what's happening, I always have felt like I was supposed to look at my kids like these are his kids. This is his work. They are not my project. They're his. Mm. They're his. And my job is to look for where he's working. 
and just cooperate with that. I love that. And that just took the pressure off. Like you said, I love the way you worded that. Like this, we don't carry, this is not our burden to carry. You know, we have a responsibility, Mm -hmm. we have a part in it, but it's not this heavy, heavy thing that the enemy wants to make it because he loves to do that because it sucks all the joy out of homeschooling. It sucks the life out of us. It also, I believe, really detracts from our witness to other people. Like if we believe God is calling us to homeschooling, I want people to see peace, joy, Mm -hmm. a family that loves to be together. And I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but if I'm haggard and I don't look like I'm enjoying my kids, what is that saying to the world? You know, and because people are watching, you know, we homeschoolers are an interesting group of people that people like to keep an eye on (laughs) Yeah, and find us rather, um, you know, they're rather inquisitive. And so when they see us joyful and they see our kids um, doing well and our family life is good and, you know, I just think that's such a testimony of of the gospel because that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about Jesus saved us and and he is he is wanting to do a redemptive work. He wants to bring life into our families and and so we just need to follow his lead. And I just so I just love that. I love your heart. So uh what do you think is the most important thing to keep in mind as we walk this homeschool journey? I feel like you answered that already, but if you have something to add to that, great. <laughs> It's funny because I I actually was was thinking about that and I was like that that's what I was gonna say. It's not all you. It's not yeah. all you. I really think that's the biggest takeaway because I think I think I mean there's there's so many practical tips. There's so many things that we can try. There's you know what if you're feeling like your life is in shambles and you're just not coping well with it, well then take a break from school, organize your life so that you feel yeah. like you can you can really you know go back in and tackle it and have the headspace for it. And and but the biggest thing I think aside from all of those tips and tricks and ideas and things that do help and they do make a difference is that this is, this is him and this is his. And so going to him, I remember when I was first starting and realizing I would, I would wake up, I would be dissatisfied. I'd go to bed at night and I would feel so frustrated or feel like a failure or feel. And so to, to you know, work that out in my head, I would say, and I'd write a list of all the things that were going to be different tomorrow. I'm going to do a new schedule. I'd read a new book. I decided that there was a new method that was going to work for our family and it was going to fix this. And so I would, wake up the next morning and I would have all these plans in place and it would just go terribly. It would go Mm -hmm. terribly. And so I got to this point where I just started getting up early and going for a walk and praying and just spending time seeking God and realizing that the days that I, I could get up late and my whole schedule and my whole routine and everything just, you know, oh, it's ruined anyways. And I'm a fatalist. So as soon as, soon as I feel like I failed, I'm like, well, what's the point? But (laughs) you know, so I would, I would have those days. I'd wake up late, things weren't going as planned, and I would still go for that walk. And I would give it to him and I would say, you know, God, help me fill in the gaps. Give me the patience. Give me the strength to do this today, to to be who you want me to be and help me to see those opportunities and those moments in my kids' lives. And those were the days that I felt like maybe even we didn't get it all accomplished, but I felt like those were our most successful. And I started to realize that that it's because I wasn't trying on my own strength because on my own strength, I do fail. On my own strength, honestly, quite honestly, I am not that great of a mom on my own strength. I get frustrated. I get impatient. I, you know, like I, I, I am not that great of a person. I'm a human being and I'm fallen and I make mistakes. And so realizing that, that what made that difference wasn't how hard I tried or the next thing or the next speaker I listened to, or, you know, it was, it was God. It was God and it was me and it was surrendering to him and it was giving it to him and it was asking him to fill in the gaps where I do fail and I will. Yeah. That, amen. That's, and that's the, you know, that's the message of the gospel. It's, it's, it's all about him and the work that he is doing in our lives and in our kids' lives. You know, and I think in our culture, it's so tempting because the culture is constantly telling us, um, you know, oh, you're not, you're not a failure. You're not a failure. You're not inadequate. You're just under-resourced. And so they yeah. want to throw more and more and more at us and it's overwhelming and we can't take it in and we can't do it all because it's not what we were made for. Yeah. We were made for relationship with God. We were made to lean hard into him and then watch him do amazing things. And that's what he's going to do in our families. That's what he's going to do in our own lives as moms, as homeschoolers. And it, it's just, it's 
keeping the, your gaze on him, you know, just keep moving toward him. And that's what you were doing when you got up every morning and took that walk. You were moving toward him and away from all these other ideas and, you know, kind of self made or man-made ideas about how to fix your quote-unquote problems and yeah. and instead go to the creator who sees it all, knows it all, and and who beautifully weaves it all together. And I just, mm-hmm. and, and, and looking back, I can see that, you know, in all of our years of homeschooling, I was oh, far from a perfect mom. Our homeschooling was far from perfect. And that's why, you know, when my husband said, um, you should write a book on homeschooling. I laughed at him because I thought, what are you talking about? You know, I'm like, first of all, aren't there enough books out there on homeschooling? I am not about to overwhelm another homeschool, you know, um, have another resource out there that's going to overwhelm a homeschool mom. I can't even bear the thought of that. And um, I said, and who's going to be interested in this anyway? And I explained to him the reasons why they wouldn't be interested. And <laughs> he said, that's exactly why you should write it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it took me a while to ponder and, and chew on that before I finally decided to do it. But, um, you know, God is good and I, I'm so thankful. And all right. So let's I think I have one more question. Uh, what would you say to the mom who's considering homeschooling but just isn't sure that she's adequate for the job? I think that's a that's a big word right there that like uh, it gets thrown out there a lot by both parents who are thinking about homeschooling and those who are not or, or who are homeschooling already and are just are feeling inadequate. Can you address mm. that that lie? I, I think feel yeah. like you already did um, a very uh, very much in the last um, little bit of conversation we had. But is there anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. So I think a lot of times, I mean, yeah, you might be facing this in your own life or questioning that in yourself, or there's a lot of people I feel like are facing this from other people in their lives that are, are throwing that at them and saying, you're not adequate. You're not qualified. I hate the word qualified so much because it gets thrown at me a lot. What qualifies you to speak? What qualifies you to, to write curriculum? What qualified you to write a Bible curriculum? Where's your degrees? Where's your qualifications? Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, like the disciples, (laughs) sometimes I look at them and I think what qualified them to go and speak and do those things. And it wasn't all of their years of schooling and education. It was because they had relationship with Jesus. Mm. Holy Spirit qualified those people. And I feel like that's that's kind of all I have to bring to the table sometimes. But I here's here's what I would say to people who are questioning this in themselves. You may not be qualified when it comes to um, math or when it comes to maybe language arts is just a weak area for you and you feel like your spelling is terrible. So how are you adequate or qualified to teach your child this area that you're not strong in? And I think that the biggest thing is that, yes, there are people out there that may be more qualified than you, but there is no one more qualified than you in knowing your child. No one. Mm-hmm. There is no mm-hmm. one who knows your kids like you do out there who's going to care about your kids as much as you do. You, you're you it. You're the person who knows and loves them deeper than a teacher or anyone else is going to. And so because of that, you have a leg up. It's it's about being able to recognize when your kids are struggling with something, recognize when they've hit that wall, recognize when you've, you've lit a spark. And now you have the opportunity to run with that. You have that because you know your child. So I think sometimes combat that lie when you feel that of who am I, or this is my weak spot. There's amazing tools and resources out there that can help you. And all you have to do is follow the instructions, follow the curriculum, and it's going to help lead you there. You can pull from outside sources. There's nothing wrong with pulling from outside sources to help fill gaps that you might have or other people or other parents, or there's so many things and resources. So it really is, it is kind of a lie. It's kind of a thing that I think we put in front of us that it's not even really real because that's, it's, it's just not even relevant. Number two, Two is realizing that you have God on your side. You have God on your mm-hmm. side. And greater is mm-hmm. he than it is you than he that is in the world. He is going to equip you. He is going to equip you and he is going to give you what you need to walk this journey. He's not just calling you to homeschooling and dropping you on the floor and saying, there, now do it and you better do good. He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is equipping you for the journey he has called you to. And he will be with you, helping you every step of the way and helping your children. So do it prayerfully 
completely do it with him. Don't try to do it on your own, but trust that. Trust that he is with you and he is equipping you. And number three, right. something I've seen so much is this, this idea of, of, you know, you're teaching your kids. Here's, here's a Charlotte Mason kind of word that we might, some of us might know very well, living books. And you're supposed to find books that are written by an expert that makes the subject come to life. And one of the things that I have seen in my own family is there is nothing that makes something come to life so much as learning it for the first time, grasping something for the first time. It's one of the reasons I am so unwilling to let my kids ever go anywhere else is because those aha moments are what I live for. They're, they are just Mm -hmm. my most precious things. You know, they finally read for the first time. You've seen them struggle. You've seen them work. And all of a sudden it's that aha moment and you get to celebrate together. And so I have had these aha moments so many times. And when I open up a book, I don't remember my ancient Greece history. I don't remember actually. And you guys think about this. How much do you remember from your schooling? Because we think that we're doing all this education and actually really you're not, you're just teaching them how to learn, but that's another topic. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I realized that when I learn these things for the first time again, or the second time or the third time, and I get excited about it because I'm relearning the stuff along with my kids, I'm having those aha moments. It's inspirational. It's motivational. It's making it come to life for my kids because it isn't just this dry, boring, I'm reading from a textbook, something I already know, and I'm hammering or drilling it into your head. It's coming to life for our whole family because this is a family experience and we get to learn this together. And I think that I've seen that in my own life is that it, it does make it come to life. You get to model this for your kids in a way that nobody else can. And I think it's unique. I think it's incredibly special. And I think that it's a huge thing for that whole adequate qualification that, that kind of just dispels that myth that, that it's different. But it's different, I think, in a really good way. And in fact, I think a leg up way and a positive way that you are giving your kids something they will not receive anywhere else. That's right. There's a quality there that you cannot get away from. And that that's the other thing is it's just the bottom line is, you know, they, they, it's pretty accepted fact that if you spend 10,000 hours doing something, you can technically be called an expert. That's a fact. The other fact is that by the time your child is six years old, you have spent 16,000 hours with them. So that makes you an expert right about the time they get into uh, to school age, which I think is, is so hilarious. And I, I think God has a sense of humor that way. But when <laughs> I heard that, I was like, Lord, leave it to you to, to just make that just perfect so that, you know, technically by someone else's standards or the expert standards, um, I am an expert in my child by the time they're school age. And so you are the expert. That's I love um, that you brought that out because I think it's important for parents to recognize that. I think our culture, um, because the role of education and so many other things have been abdicated to the school system and, um, you know, our kids, um, we, we've been told basically in sort of a passive way, but then now it's becoming even more blatant, but um, that that we are not the best person to make these decisions for our kids. And hmm. nothing could be further from the truth. So this lie is, is permeating our culture. And I believe it's affecting parents who are thinking, you know, because we most, not you, but most of us have experienced the public school system. And so our parents did send us to school for many hours a day. And um, and so it's, it's, it can be easy to believe that lie because of that. But when we take yeah. that role back and we take that responsibility back, we have to understand either way, we are ultimately responsible for our kids and for the decisions that are made for them. And we are ultimately the best ones to make that decision because we know them better than anyone. And we have, um, an investment into their lives and into their futures that nobody else has. No, the best teacher out there is not going to have the investment into my child that I am. So yeah, I love that. So what are the two most important things you have learned from homeschooling multiple ages? Can you just really quickly give us a couple of major main things that you've learned that you'd want them to keep in mind? Yeah. 
the biggest thing is I think combine your kids as much as you possibly can. If you're not combining your kids, then like do the math, sit down and do the math of you're doing five subjects. Probably you're doing more than that because we take language arts and we divide it up and we get a curriculum for spelling and for writing and for grammar and for reading. And that's four curriculums for one subject. And then we do math and then we add in, we need our history and we need our social studies. And you know, like we break everything up and the world is constantly telling us more and more and more. Even good things like you need to do nature study. Well, let's do a nature study curriculum and we need to do music. We should get a music curriculum. We need to add a foreign language and we just continually add things, but then multiply that times how many kids you have. And you are now bouncing around. One of the, the most amazing things I ever did was I took all the curriculum that I had been using and I piled it on my bed. And when I saw that heap, all of a sudden it was this moment of realization. Why, why do we say we're so overwhelmed? Do that. Put it all somewhere on a table mm -hmm. that you won't even fit it on a table and see how much you are trying to fit into your day one person. So when you look at that, when you look at how much we're trying to do with our kids, the first thing that we have to do is we have to teach our kids together as much as possible. And you can do that in a way where the younger kids are going to pick up what they're going to. The older kids can go more in depth. They learn so much from just conversation and discussion together as a family and reading together. But then also, you know, when you can see how much you're actually doing, cut it back to the basics. Start really, really, really small. Do just what you have to do. And once you're at a point where you feel comfortable that this is manageable and everyone is in a rhythm and a routine, now you can add in a little bit more here and there and then test it and see for a little while if it's going to work or if it's not going to work. It's like allergy testing. You know, you remove everything mm -hmm. from your diet. And then you add things in one by one and you do it for a while to make sure that there's no negative side effects. It's the same thing I think with, right. with teaching our kids is remove everything from the table, get your family life, get your character, get your, your, you know, what your framework first, your family, your, your dinners, your, get a, a routine going that is sustainable and then slowly add things in until you feel like you've kind of tested out each aspect to find something that is actually sustainable sustainable long-term for your family. And I think mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. probably the biggest thing that I've learned. I think that's awesome. That is, I, th that just sounds all so familiar because I did the same thing, you know, <laughs> just finding that rhythm and you find that rhythm and you're like, okay, we're going to try something out and see if it works. The thing that I found for me was I, it, it ended up being, like I said, just a lot simpler than I would, would have ever thought. And yet it was enough, you know? And so that's, you may find yourself kind of going back to sort of that baseline. And sometimes, you know, as they get older too, if, if you've got a lot of little kids at home, you know, it's, there's a good chance things do need to stay fairly simple. But I can say that your kids are learning all the time. They're learning from family life. They're learning to care for their siblings. Um, you know, I felt like part of our kids' education was changing diapers. And we, we talked about um, you know, the, the different developmental stages of the kids, you know, and, oh, they're learning to do that now. You know, usually you see those two teeth that are coming in. That's pretty typical. That comes, you know, between this age and this age. And, you know, all of that is just, uh, just, a, it's all learning. And I think that's one thing yeah. we've got to recognize is that life is learning. When we're living life alongside of each other, we are the, our kids are learning all the time because they're natural learners. This is something, mm -hmm. if we don't burn them out on what we call, you know, what we often would call our version, adult version of learning, our kids will continue to love learning. Uh, it, I just felt like that was my job. Like they come to me um, wanting to learn. My job was just not to burn them out. That's that's how yeah. what I saw my job as, you know, keep it, you know, in a, in a positive uh, place. But you know, I, I, you're so right. The chores, the family life. I have a lot of times moms will come to me and say, I cannot keep up with my house. And I'm like, are your kids doing any chores? Are you, because this is all part of their education, you know, like yeah. understanding a basic family routine. Um, it's, you know, getting up in the morning, making their beds, blah, 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 doing dishes, fixing meals and, and all of that. That is all um, that is all learning. That is all educational. And the it's, other it's thing invaluable. is, yeah. it's invaluable. It is. And there, it is. There's a 
part of like in our public school system right now, they're literally teaching life skills because that's getting missed because kids are in school from the minute they wake up until dinner and then they're coming home, they're doing their, their homework and they're going to bed again or all their extracurricular stuff. They're actually missing those life skills. So they're going to college and university. Yeah. They don't know how to cook for themselves. They don't know how to do laundry. They don't know how to do these things. In some ways we are equipping our kids so much more by just experiencing life and responsibility and all of those more mundane, but critical, critical, critical things in our day-to-day life. That's absolutely right. And as a mom who's, you know, down here at the end of sort of getting close to the finish line, I'm looking back and I'm, I just can recognize how incredibly important all of those things were. Um, you know, once your kids are grown and they're getting jobs, all of a sudden their work ethic is important. <laughs> you know, the, you know, it, it's, it's amazing. Those things that they, they know how to, how to do certain things. They know how to take care of themselves. They know how to cook. They know how to, you know, do laundry or whatever. But the other thing I wanted to mention is in the multi-level homeschooling is one thing that I've noticed is that the younger kids in the family, because you mentioned this whole kids picking up on what the other kids are learning. I found my younger kids to be, I I feel like a a little more advanced in a lot of ways because they're, because of watching and being around their older siblings and being part of those conversations. And, and, um, and the older ones liked to, you know, they liked to convey their information and, and the things that they were learning to the younger ones. And so it was just really amazing how they, in a lot of ways, taught each other things. So I, you know, I think to the mom who's uh, multi-level homeschooling, I, I think, um, the, these, all of these things that we just talked about are just so important to remember. So um, tell me, uh, Rebecca, how can moms connect with you to download uh, samples of uh, the Gather Round Homeschool? Yeah, so you can go to um, gatheroundhomeschool.com. And the gather and the round, just keep going, two R's in the middle there, gatheroundhomeschool.com. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, if you go right on there, on the main page is a download a sample. And I have four different ones available. You can try a whole week of our first unit. That one's a little bit lighter. Um, and then we've gotten a little bit more in depth in our other ones. You can try out day samples and a day sample is like 50 pages, but that's because you're getting the teacher's guide and one day of each student notebook, which is five pages each. So it adds up. We have our book list in there and stuff, but it will give you an idea of how we cover such a variety of subjects using just one main topic altogether and what it looks like and the design of it. You can print it off. You can use it with your kids. Um, it's the best way to kind of get a feel for this because it's, there's nothing really to compare it to. So it's hard sometimes for parents to kind of wrap their head around how it works. So that's the best way. I love that. I love that they can actually sit down and look it over. And I'm telling you, when I looked it over, I was like, oh, I wished I had this when my kids were young. So <laughs> so moms, I want to encourage you to go check it out. And then one last thing, you are offering a giveaway today. So tell us a little bit, tell us what you're, you're uh, going to be giving away. Yes. So I, our newest unit that we just released is Africa. And so it's all about the continent of Africa. We kind of take them on a tour through 20 different countries throughout the 20 lessons. And then we, you know, cover all sorts of different things in that. So I am giving away our Africa unit study. So what you get in that is the digital version is you get the digital books. There's seven different digital books included in that. It's like over 900 pages. It's a huge kind of value. You're going to get the teacher's guide and each of the six student notebooks so that you can look through it yourself. You can print off what you need for your kids and reuse it down the road. The idea is that, you know, in a couple of years, you could do that unit again and now just have your child working in an older notebook and getting so much more out of it as you recycle it. So, um, yeah, so we're giving away a digital unit of Africa. Well, thank you so much. So how you're going to enter, moms, is you're going to go to this uh, this podcast on my website and enter in the comments there. So I have all the entries in one place because if everybody's leaving a comment on iTunes and I can't keep track of all that. So um, if you're listening from someplace else, go to my website, DorindaWilson.com, and then you can um, – find this podcast that should be, you know, right up towards the top and then uh, go ahead and leave uh, your com- something in the comments that um, you'd like to, to win the giveaway. 
All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Rebecca, thank you again for spending time with us today. Um, It's just been a joy and a blessing to have you here. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and just pray over these moms before we um, before we end. Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together. God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the way that you work in our lives. We thank you that this thing that we're doing, this homeschooling our kids, is raising up the next generation. Lord, mm-hmm. that we don't we don't do it in our own strength, Father. That. You said it is is not by might, not by power, but by your spirit that we do this, Lord. And we thank you for that um, reminder today, for that encouragement today to continue to seek your heart for our families. Thank you that we do not carry that heavy burden, Lord, but that Jesus said that he wanted to take that heavy burden and give us his light Uh, yoke, that we could walk um, with peace of mind and heart. God, we know that that is a gift from you, Jesus, because you said it was. And the nature of a gift is that you have to actually receive it. So we pray that you would just help us um, to move forward, to move towards you, and to receive that gift that you have for us. God, we thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.